Are you experiencing interruptions? Did you click this little button and find out why? Is it your ISP? I've seen it. I don't know. <laughs> click the button and find out why. Please. Fourteen. This is episode one hundred and one of Yats. Every week Wednesday night, right here, yet another tech show. Com. Check it out. I'm Matt Lee. This guy right here is Ant Pruitt. What's up, Ant? Hey, what's going on, Mister? Mike Rothman. How you doing, Mike? I'm well, thanks. Good to see you all. Larry Press. How you doing, Larry? Hey guys. Good to see you. Nick Carroll joining us. What's up, Nick? Hey guys. Glad to be back. Good to have you back. Uh, you guys can catch shows on Stitcher, on iTunes, all that stuff. Of course, we'll mention it at the end of the show. Uh, what should we start out with? There's been a lot of Google I.O. news, I feel like, just between the last uh, couple podcasts, at least for, for Tag of the Androids and for Yats. It kind of it spills over. Um, I guess we should start out with the Chromecast thing. That's kind of interesting. Uh, a while ago on the Moto X, I noticed... Uh, if you were connected to Wi-Fi, and I don't know if this was whether or not you had a Chromecast connected. I think it might have just been in there regardless, but there was a little thing called Cast Screen. It didn't do anything. It was it was just there, just hanging out. It's like, oh, here's a dead button, so that's cool. Uh, it's long since been removed, at least on the Moto X. It's, it's totally not there anymore. So the Nexus 10, though, does have it, and it actually does something now. Which is interesting. Uh, so if you you have your Chromecast connected, and you can also go into the Chromecast app uh, if you have the new update, which I haven't got yet, but there, the update, there should be a thing in there when you hit the menu, it says cast screen. Uh, this is embedded in the, the notification shade. When you hit the thing, it turns over. You have all your... So it's right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you hit that, yep. and what it will do is then cast your Android screen to your Chromecast or your, your TV. So that's cool. You can mirror the screen. You can see stuff. So, of course, the first thing I try and do is get a video going, right? I want to be able to stream these damn movies and TV shows without using Plex. 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 Without using that. I just want to just want it to work here. Not uh, first Plex. And, and it worked, uh, except for the sound. There was no sound. The video worked, though. So we're we're halfway there. That's closer than it was before, where it said, "I don't even know what this is," and I, I definitely don't know how to encode it. So now it knows how to encode the video, which is weird. You'd think it would do the sound and not the video, but it it does the video and not not the sound. Uh, so yeah, we're almost there. Uh, Nick, you mess with this uh, at all on your end? No, I uh, just found out about this earlier today. I haven't had time to try it because my wife's been on TV all day. But uh, I'm now interested in trying it because I've got the Chromecast in the living room. And a lot of times I'm up late and my wife's asleep. I've got nothing to do out in the living room. Well, now I can Chromecast my screen, so that would be kind of cool. Is so. she on the TV right now? Right now she's watching uh, – right now it's the news, but yeah. What you should <laughs> do is Chromecast a Rickroll, if you would just yeah. do that for us real you quick. Know, 
I could actually do that because CEC is enabled on that TV, and I, the instant I start the Chromecast, it'll switch over to yep, that. So I can totally. uh, and then like take two minutes, two minutes later, we see that door behind you just get kicked open, <laughs> blown open. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. And you mess with this yet on yours? I looked for the update and haven't gotten it yet. I'm gonna try to do a force update here. But is it um, native in your Nexus Seven? Is it just in the menu there? In the shade? You know, I didn't even look on the Nexus 7. I didn't even look on that. I've been on my um, One Max and just trying to Chromecast app and see if it was up. Yeah, there was a list. I think it was on VentureBeat of the different one. And I noticed that the Nexus devices, even the Nexus 7 2013. So that's not the one you have, is it? You have no, the first not, gen. Yeah. yeah, I got the original. So is that only supporting the second gen? That's kind of weird. Are they not I both? That's this, not the case. Are they Maybe not both running that. the same version of Android? Yeah, it should be. Mine's on the latest KitKat version, four four. Was it four four four? Yeah, yeah. That's I think yeah. newer. Than, or no, I think I'm four four on this. Four four four. Four 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 four. Uh, Larry, you, <laughs> you you guys messed with this at all? I I haven't, but I have a, a question. I have the thing I have Chromecast or uh, Chromecasted with was a Chromebook, and that has enough CPU power to to handle it. Does, does a little Android phone, uh, is that going to be sufficient? No, because it'll play It'll play the movies on the tablet, like with audio and everything, if I want to watch them on the tablet. But the second you go to Chromecast, it just won't. Yeah. So it's not CPU. If you have, if you have like, even an entry-level Chromebook, it'll be enough power. The Nexus 7, I mean the Nexus 10 that Matt has, has the exact same uh, SOC that like the, uh, the, the first Samsung arm chromebook does and it 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 can do it although it's not technically supported technically the more powerful haswell okay. ones are supported officially they will still screencast and mostly smartphones are not remotely as powerful as just even the entry-level chromebook so that's and, what i was gonna ask you how about a phone a nexus 5 yeah nexus 5 sure. and nexus 4 can do it and that's on the supported yeah, list as well yeah support yeah. both the video and the audio right? and they yeah. said that they're going to add more support yeah, turning the fan on they're going to yeah. add <laughs> more support for different android phones they say from samsung htc lg and others so if you yeah have this any... nexus 4 isn't as powerful as matt's nexus 10 and it's still on the supported list so yeah cool and it might be the way i'm to... doing it because i'm i have the files on a desktop and then i have a share setup so i can on my tablet and go into my file explorer over the network to the smb server right and then I can connect to the files and play them on the tablet from the desktop. So maybe it doesn't like going from there to the tablet and then from the tablet to the Chromecast. But it didn't work when I copied them to the tablet either. So it's not a bandwidth issue. I think it just yeah, doesn't yeah, that, encode. That would have been my next question is what kind of um, bandwidth do you have on your network? Yeah, because I, I copied them over and like they still played fine here. And they play fine on the tablet over the network. But they just won't. And I've, it's probably encoding. They're MKVs. I tested AVIs, uh, Div, or XVID AVIs, and those wouldn't work either. So I don't know. You know hey, so check me out. have a different motive, though. I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Check me out. I'm, I've got the current version of the software, Chromecast software, which is 1.5.5. I, I bring it up. It finds my, my Chromecast device in the living room. I hit the menu button. But I don't get the uh, cast my screen 
Okay, then that's not the latest version. Now, if you pull down your notification shade where your name is and brightness and yeah, Wi-Fi, yeah. is cast screen in there? No. Nope. Okay, then, then yours isn't. And what is that? That's the HTC, right? The one? Uh, this is a 1M8. Okay. Yeah, they that, say that's the, on the list, I think. The, 1M, yeah, on the, list. the 1M7 is on the list. The M8 is not. Yeah, oh, okay. Not? Nope. Not yet. And that might be one of the future HTC devices that support will get added to. And no Motorola devices on there, or at least even the X or the G. I mean, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah, that is a little odd. Oh, oh I see it now. So you've got to have one of this, one of this, one of this from this list of supported devices so far. For yeah. the Chromecast app to give you the uh, cast screen message. Which is yeah, weird because it was in these other devices with one of the last Android updates. It must have got taken out with 442 because that's the earliest one. That's what the Moto X is running, and it's gone. So I don't know. Yeah, it's just wrong that it, it works for the M7 but not the M8. Yeah, I mean, like what's I, different? I, like why? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I object. I'm being punished. You know, and I wonder if it would work with my One Max, which is essentially a big version of the M7. Yeah. Yeah, and I wonder what the differentiating factor is. That is it the version of Android? Is it what is it detecting on the device? Is it the chipset? Like I, I'm curious what their what their yes no is. As it's far probably as arbitrary. It, at this, it's probably arbitrary at this point, and the manufacturers are just testing it. And whenever they allow this specific phone, you know. To pass, that'll be added to the list of supported phones. That's my guess. I don't really know for sure. Yeah, interesting. And I mean, it's progress, right? It's good to see finally some some movement in that. You know, the 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 more common use case than what you guys are doing is going to be, oh, I'm streaming a movie or something, and I want to put it on my TV set. And if you're doing that, you're going to be using your Wi-Fi network in both directions. Is, is that going to Are you talking about through Netflix or locally? Because those have native yeah. Chromecast apps. You're not streaming your screen. Those have no, actual there, Chromecast. There will be. No, for, that's for sure. But what if you're doing something where you're watching, I don't know what video it is. Okay, I know what it is. I'm watching the Tour de France. And I want to put it on my TV set. What are you I'm going to be, I, and I'm and all this is going over my home Wi-Fi network. Is that going to cause any grief? What are you watching it on? The Tour de France. But what are you watching it on? Your TV? Like, like what, what application on an Android phone on a Nexus Five? If it's an app, Android. if it's an huh? app, you should be able to cast screen and then have that mirrored. Whether or not you'll get audio, who knows? Yeah, it depends. You know, on I, I have the bandwidth. I'm, that's what I'm really wondering. Do I have the horsepower to do it? Uh, for that, that's that's the challenging part is because your phone at that point has to essentially yeah. encode it and decode it and then send it out. Yeah. So yeah, that that would be the challenging part. But that would that's why you try to, if possible, use a Chromecast supported app because that'll basically allow that to be done through the cloud and your oh, phone. I, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. If there's a Chromecast supported app, then yeah, that, yeah, that's, uh, the thing anyhow. Yeah, the way you would generally do that would be, let's say you're browsing in Chrome or something, yeah. you want to sh- cast your screen, that would be more more of a challenge. But that's what this feature allows you to do. If you just want to show exactly what's on your screen and then send it out, your yeah. phone will probably do that if it meets this, you know, the, the qualifications for this list, but it's probably going to be 
a somewhat beefy phone to do that. And the results are going to be somewhat delayed. Now, mind you, the audio and video will both be delayed together, and they should still sync up when it gets yeah. to the, the TV that you're broadcasting, you know, that you're casting to that way. But yeah. if possible, try to use a Chromecast-supported app so that your phone or device no longer becomes the middleman. That's but the this general is, advice. So the whole reason that this thing becomes cool is because you don't have to have Chromecast-supported apps. Yeah. And the use case I just said, I am watching right now this week, this month, the Tour de France. And I'm watching it through some NBC app. And it's not Chromecast. Yes. And I would love, my ideal, I'm going to do a blog post on it, but I would love to be able to sit and look at the at the close-up version and then go click and pop it over to my TV set and easily move back and forth between the two. That would be terrific. I want to pop it over into my virtual reality headset and then watch it. There you go. <laughs> Did you guys see this? I was uh, thinking about that. Right? You want those bike riders to have this on their forehead. So. That would be cool, right? So you could pick which one you wanted to right. like teleport into and then and, watch from their POV. That'd be sweet. Seeing the view from his point of view, that'd be totally We're getting cool. there. It's going to get here. Uh, yeah, hey, real quick, I'll put in the rundown, but there's a link I found where someone is successfully running the NBC Sports stream on their phone and they're ca casting it to. Uh, to TV. Oh, shit. So That's a I'll hoax. Put it in the rundown. Nick, don't spread hoaxes. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Keep hope alive. Right. All right. Yeah, uh, really Samsung cool. announcing the Gear VR at the IFA uh, Electronics Trade Show down in over in Germany. Another VR headset. Kind of cool. Facebook is going to develop the the VR stuff for it. The Oculus VR is going to do the software. So it's the gear, right? Like their brand, the the Galaxy Gear, right? The Gear Watch. Yeah. It's going to be the gear what? The gear head? The gear VR, they're going to call it, maybe. Probably. I think they're, I think they're OEMing the, uh, the cardboard ones from Google. Right? <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> they won that in the lawsuit. They're like, all your cardboard. <laughs> uh, they say the gear VR works by connecting to users' Samsung smartphones, right? Using a USB 3.0 cable. Oh, that's weird. You have to connect it. Uh, once connected, the smartphone's processor powers the headset, while its gyroscope and accelerometer sensors give the Gear VR head tracking capabilities. Users wear the Gear VR like a pair of glasses to achieve a virtual reality effect. Uh, they expect to use it for gaming, I guess. So that's interesting. It's basically a, just a screen that uses all of your phone's internals to run. How do you think battery how's your how's your battery life on the on your phone while it's running your virtual reality screen? We just had an airplane. Pause for the airplane. <laughs> That's Someone the first. Me? <laughs> all right. That's the first. Um with the, the, the whole VR thing I can't remember right off the top of my head, Matt, but when you did the Oculus yourself, the little demo, how was that thing powered? How was it? It was powered was by that piston source? CPU, wasn't it? That XI3 made. Yeah, but see, I don't remember a whole cord running down your back or oh, anything. Oh, no, 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 no. That was, uh, what was it? Yeah, it was plugged in. It was definitely plugged in, but see, the Oculus has all those internals inside of it, right? Instead of okay. using your phones. 
That what no, this reminds me more of. This reminds me more of the glyph, right? Ah, perfect. Yeah. Where okay, you plug it into sense. HDMI or micro HDMI or whatever, and it's basically just a screen where you're even if you move your head, you're still seeing the same thing. This will do. Okay. This will actually change depending on where your head is using your phone's using accelerometer the, uh, somehow. I I don't know. That's dude, cool though. That's... Is that, well, that interesting? Says a lot about that the phone having some horsepower, you know, that says a lot that your phones have that much horsepower to do that. Yeah, for sure. Is that interesting but, that Oculus is developing the software for it, and that in essence Facebook? You guys saw that? Doesn't the cardboard thing just run on a phone? Yeah, but it's not rendering to big screens. It's just using it's your phone to itself. And... Yeah. Yeah. It's the spotlight player, basically. If you have the Moto X or one of those phones that run the spotlight mm-hmm. player, it's that video where you move your phone around and it shows you different yeah. parts of it. Yeah, yeah, it's that. Yeah, but, but that's a, only in a box the resolution of your your native screen. You know, it's in a box strapped to your head as opposed to yeah. in your hand. <laughs> oh, they say the Samsung Gear VR will function like a more sophisticated and comfortable version of Google's headset glass. Uh, they also say that uh, their strategy is focused on being highly prevalent across the full spectrum of consumer electronics and home entertainment. Nice. That is that? some PR. Just blah. <laughs> We're going social, mobile, low location. We're so molo. <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know I, it'll be interesting to see what they do they also mentioned that um sony unveiled project morpheus which is a prototype that works with the playstation 4 and that was right before facebook got oculus so and google has cardboard <laughs> so you know everyone's in it right I'm all about the cardboard i'm really considering buying one the little 20 dollar i want one just yeah. to you know, and if you think about it, you know, someone could eventually, like, 3D print out a better, you know, yeah. case for probably not much more than that. So, Well, you uh, could basically take the cardboard. For more updates. You could take the cardboard plans yeah. and just 3D print those and fold it out of plastic, right? Make your little tabs and everything. Yeah, but what Nick's saying is true. You could make one that was, that was fit to your face. Right, right. Yeah, By 3D be- modeling your face. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool uh did you guys see this verizon uh so far this year they have received nearly 149,000 government requests for your data my data yeah. our data and you know they're probably not saying no to any of those requests. can they so. can they be <laughs> like no i don't think we're gonna give you guys this one we kind of like this guy i don't think you can isn't that a fairly low number though we're only that's halfway than, that's through. That's higher than I expected because you see like Facebook, they say that they were given like up to a thousand requests in a certain period of time or like a year or a month or something like that. This just seems like larger than any of the estimates or uh, that, I, that I've seen in the past. Does so, that mean people talk more shiz on their Facebook accounts than they do over their phones or what? Well, it's like private messaging, you know, between people or whatever because people just you're just comfortable with Facebook, I guess. But I would just really? figure that, yeah, I, that would be my opinion. But uh, I, I'm just surprised at how many uh, requests are made by to Verizon. So 
They got 148,903 U.S. government requests for customer information in the first half of 2014, which is slightly less than the 160,733 requests from half of 2013. Uh, Does it say what they're requesting? Yeah, uh, it says the uh, number of subpoenas, orders, warrants, and emergency requests from January 1st to June 30th, and they're on par to roughly meet by the the year's end the 321,545 requests they received last year. So kind of par for the the course. What what is it that they're requesting, though? Like wiretap of everything you ever do or – Emergency request. Wide range. I think it's a wide range because you have the whole tapping thing. You have the emergency request, but then you also have um, domestic issues too. You know, what? What about? My, what is my husband doing on his phone? Kind of thing. You know. I don't think that's counted in this, is it? It should be. I don't know if you guys can see that, but that's the U.S. Yeah, that good. Enforcement emergency, but it doesn't say really, or does it say somewhere what they're actually emergency requests? Nine one one calls, warrants, crime investigation, uh, subpoenas for speaking, seeking specific customer info. Uh, So yeah, like law. There's another graph below that too that shows the the types, like wiretap orders, etc. There you go. Oh, okay. Yeah, wiretap orders. Uh, trap and uh, trace orders, general and registers, orders, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And then here's the international law enforcement demands for customer data by country. Whoa, Germany. Jeez. Right? Yeah. Germany just like all the data. Just like their soccer team, man. Wow. <laughs> and you know what's awesome? You know what's awesome? Germans. If, if you guys look at this sideways, it's kind of like a big middle finger. <laughs> Yeah, really. Oh, <laughs> Just saying, coincidence? Mm, I think not. Oh gosh, only that. It's so up in the air about our trapping uh, their stuff, and look what they're doing. Exactly. Everyone's doing it, dudes. Everyone's doing it. Are we all on Verizon? I know me and I, Aunt, you are right. Yes, I am. I am, Larry. My wife has a Verizon phone. Okay, so that's her. Mike, are you? AT&T. Oh. AT&T here as well. Oh, well, look at you guys. I wonder we'll how many... We'll probably have our own uh, announcements soon, I bet. Soon. You know, hey, <laughs> Next week on Yats, we dig into Mike and Nick's phone bills. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was kind of interesting. The, it's always fun when these kinds of numbers come out to see exactly how often this, this happens. I mean, how many is that per day? It's a bunch. It's a few. Lots, and they yeah, say no, Verizon wants. Also, Verizon. I think get paid for those requests. They probably do. They say yeah. Verizon notes that the vast majority of these various types of demands relate to our consumers' customer, to our consumer customers, not our enterprise customers. So, if you're doing business, no worries. But if you're a, a regular individual, we're watching you. It says, "Do your terrorist activity at work." Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly. If, you, if you're going to oh, use Verizon, man. you should open up an you LLC. I think we got a show title. That is brilliant. <laughs> red flag. Red flag. Oh, all right. Uh, Larry, tell us about Chrome Base and other Chrome boxes, please. Okay. Well, this was actually inspired. I think Amp last week 
show that LG all-in-one Chrome box. That was Mr. Freaking Beaner. And then I got thing. I'm looking around the room that I'm sitting in right now, and there are three desktop PCs, and every one of them could be easily replaced by a Chrome box or a Chrome base. Mm -hmm. um, and it just make it and gets you thinking, especially if if Microsoft comes up with a good um, browser-based version of Office. I, that's going to really, I think, really whack into PC sales. But would that be cutting their own throat? Yeah, but do they have a choice? There's a, if you look at, I did a blog, I put a link to a blog post, and I put quotes in there from Steve Jobs, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, and Bill Gates. And the one from Bill Gates it was in 1998, I think. Mm -hmm. It's a, it, it, in a court proceedings, an antitrust proceeding. They got a, an email that he sent to the office executives basically saying, guys, don't do anything to let people render office documents in a, in a uh, browser. That would be the worst. It would just be killing Windows to do it. So, so he I, knew that early on. He knew that in 1998 and told his guys not to do it, which was, it was evidence in, in an antitrust case. So I guess it was considered a restraint of trade. But yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. handwriting's on the wall. Yeah, I'm not sure when they changed their mind. It seems like over the last few years they've tried putting some features out on the web, and now you've got Word on the web and Excel stuff like that. So I'm not they're sure. They're still pretty crappy. They're not. I, I haven't yeah. even tried them, but they're not. I, it's my understanding, and I speak from total listening to other people talk that the the implementation they've done on the iPad is much nicer. Well, the the contrast to that is that you have to have an Office 365 subscription to use iPad to do other than just viewing the documents. If you're going to edit edit or convert or do anything to the documents, my understanding is on an iPad you need to have a Office 365 subscription and use it on use it on there. Yeah. So whereas the web-based versions, like you can you you can use on a Chrome on a Chromebook, just go to their web page and there are links sure. in the Chrome web store to those pages where you can use that. You sign in using your Microsoft account, but that is free, but you don't get quite the amount of functionality. And it's not as polished, but it's better than nothing if you want to have you know, the ability to at least view and basic editing of some Microsoft documents. But you know, that to me is kind of a fair deal. In, you know, instead of selling Windows, they're going to make a transition selling less Windows, selling more Office 365s that you've talked to through a browser. And Sounds if, like more licenses. You know, I'm sorry? Sounds like it'll be more licenses for the 365 versus licenses for the, you know, office suite on the computer. Yeah. But it's, I don't know that they have any choice. Do you guys think that this new guy that became the CEO of uh, Microsoft, that that's his strategy? That's what he said. He said, he yeah. said in that last uh, conference they had a couple months ago that, that they have to deal with the realities, that there are other platforms out there. There's millions of people on these other platforms, and Microsoft wants them to use their services. Microsoft is not just a hardware company. They're not just an operating system company. They're a services company as much as anything else, and they want to make money selling those services. And so they're trying to find ways of enticing others to use their services if they want to, for free, use a basic amount of functionality in some services, they can do that. But if they want more, then they would, I guess, upgrade to a 365 subscription or something. So. They have their own account in the Chrome Web Store. It's called Live.com. Uh, ironically, it's not listed as Microsoft, but if you go to the Chrome Web Store and you look for the Word, the link to their version of Word or other 
uh, web-based apps. Uh, it's all under the live.com you know, name or company name. That's cool. Live That's was part of their live was part of their Windows implementation a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, that was their first iteration of 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 that of their online presence, my understanding. So, like online accounts, etc. So yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I think their future has to be just what Nick says: services and uh, the online storage and online hosting and you know maybe windows is going to not be i don't know what percentage of their income comes from windows now but it, it's going to go down the largest chunks in my understanding are windows and office but then there's other other services to a lesser extent but those are their two biggest flagship services that they sell or you know whatever software well let's think about this though what <laughs> You're gonna charge an Office 365 for for the iPad, folks. I guess when you eventually go down the road and start getting all of these Chrome Chrome-based uh, devices using Chrome OS, uh, they can look at user agents and say, "Hey, you know what? We need to block this particular user agent or charge that uh, an extra fee." Does yeah, that sound sound feasible? Yeah, that sounds yeah. like something they would do. And there's nothing against them making their own packaged apps, where you have a local app on your Chrome base, Chromebox, Chromebook, or whatever, and then use use that for some basic functionality, and then charge a subscription for that. So mm -hmm. you have basic yeah. web access, or you have their packaged app for yeah. maybe more money. And so maybe a, right. a reduced fee subscription. I don't know. Yeah, I think that would be the only way they could sort of you know save. How, these, how, how would this how would this play out in your enterprise yeah you like would would do people what do they use their computers for are there people that just kind of do office well, the enterprise is still dominated by windows so they're going to focus more on that but i guess they'll they'll give you function some basic web functionality yeah. in collusion so and, and we're still at least from from my standpoint there's a lot of editing of, of the office suite stuff. There's a lot of power users still using that stuff. A lot of Excel, a lot of um, Word and so forth, and even from time to time, Access. You know, still use that stuff. Tell us how you really feel about it, Ant. Oh, God, I hated Access. I hated every time someone calls me about that. I'm like, yo, we have all of these databases in-house, and you're, you're freaking making something on your laptop as a database? Shoot me. Um, well, I, again, I think there's still a big demand for it in the enterprise, but I still don't see why it couldn't be run on a 365 setup, Office 365 setup. You know. Michael King. I'm sorry. Michael I'm sorry. King in the chat says nine ninety nine a month and install five Mac PC or tablets for uh, what he's using. Was that Sun for yeah, Office? Yeah, that's pretty good no. deal for five machines. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Quite nice. You know, I don't see I don't see much of a change on the enterprise front um, just because everything else is running Windows to begin with. You know. Yeah. I work for a large enterprise and we're windows everywhere, so yeah. Nice. I work for I work for a sort of a, a mid size organization, three hundred and fifty employees or something. Yeah. And you know, so many of them are, are sort of 
in, not indoctrinated, but all they've ever known is word processing on Word, and maybe they use Excel spreadsheets, and of course they use my um, Outlook. Uh, heaven help us. Uh, the, the real heavy lift there from a from a culture standpoint is retraining all of those people. Yeah. That was something I dealt with with the Google Docs and people um, trying to get them used to that because every, you know, at one time I was building computers for people pretty regularly and I would try my best to talk them out of going with a Microsoft Office package just because it was, you know, a couple extra hundred bucks that I didn't think they really needed to spend and they liked the idea of saving an extra couple hundred dollars. And, you know, they would try out the Google Docs and, and everyone would complain, no, it's not Word, no, it's not Excel. And I had to tell them, look, are you really a power user? And most of the time they were not. Yeah. So You, again, like, shame them into it? Like you totally shame them yeah, into it? That's awesome. Them. Are you a power user? Yeah. Are you I a little... Them, <laughs> yeah, I asked them, what's the pivot table? And they'd be like, a what? You know, do you do a mail merge? A who? Yeah, come on, dude. Come on, man. The good old days of being a power user on a power PC. <laughs> you remember that? What was the <laughs> Mac one called? There was an Apple Power something. We had one at school. I forget what yeah, it was called. Power. The Power something. It was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, did you guys see that uh, Google now also showing little... Uh, just a little, a little image, a little button. If you're, are you experiencing interruptions? Did you click this little button and find out why? Is it your ISP? I've seen. I don't know. Oh. Click the button and find out why. <laughs> Just like what no, Netflix. I've seen this for a little while. Have to you? To be fair, when you when you click the button, they don't blame your ISP right away. They suggest all these things that you can try. You know, clear your cache. Yeah, I don't... yeah. We got to do some tests first, and then we'll get to blaming your ISP. Because I mean, that didn't work, need it for you. Yeah. I haven't seen one of these I yet like either. I also haven't seen one of the Netflix ones though. I think Charter, which is what we are now on cable, uh, they they do fairly decent. I get it on YouTube about once a week, um, usually right towards the weekend. Um, I spend a lot of time on YouTube with the Google TV going through my subscriptions and stuff and watching people like Nick Kara and his videos. And <laughs> and every now and then, it's usually like Friday or Saturday morning when I guess everybody in the world is around here on YouTube, it'll, it'll, it'll pause and slow down and stuff. Um, so ideally, I will jump on my laptop or come to the computer and try it over there just sit back and watch stuff and it does the same thing and then I get that little bar coming across the bottom you know and it's hey it's not not us it's your crappy network you know go yell at them is essentially what they're saying and I'm fine with that buffer bloat it's your buffer bloat bro <laughs> reboot your router <laughs> yeah. and you know what's scary is even the little hard heads know to look for that daggone buffer line you know, they'll sit down and be like, oh, yeah, let's go ahead and pause it and let the buffer you know, do its thing first. That's pretty they sad. Catch on, they catch on early, there. and Yeah, they should just be able to sit down and play and sit back and laugh at their mindless Minecraft videos, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but good on Google for calling them out. That's my opinion.
But even more so, Google needs to hurry up and get their asses here in the Charlotte area. Get some fiber. You know, there was something, though, that I can't remember what. I, I could have put it in the uh, rundown. I, I did a, like, I just saw it and reshared it on Google+. Plus. Somebody was accusing Google of not being active enough to try to keep this ISP issue in the public eye. Uh, did you guys see that? Say it again. Yeah, I can't. You tried what? No, shit. I mean, they, they, somebody <laughs> was, was, was blaming Google because they weren't working hard enough to keep this ISP, uh, you know, bandwidth funnel thing in the public oh, eye. Oh, um, no, I didn't see to that. me, that really is the secret. As long as we're talking about it, it doesn't mean anything. If it becomes a political issue, yeah. Senator well, Google, Google would have to create some sort of new outlet to do that because they don't really have that. I mean, you know, they pretty much let the news cover them, and and they don't. They have like a couple, few YouTube channels, a few press releases, but they don't really go out of their way to really take a stance on issues and to like broadcast it out. And you know, maybe that's a weakness of the organization, but I don't see that as unique to Google. Apple doesn't do any different. You know, Microsoft doesn't do any different. You know, and then people on the other side, like Verizon, you know, et cetera, that want, you know, that don't, aren't really for net neutrality, they're certainly not going to go out of the way, you know. So I don't know. Google took a stance on the whole SOPA thing a couple of years ago. Wasn't they pretty vocal about that? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 the question is, is if they're not speaking about this thing and being more vocal about it, what do they? What does Google have to lose? Is that what kind of skin they have in this game to say, you know what, we're just going to sit back. Yeah, supposedly they're on the anti, they're on the pro net net neutrality side of things. But yeah, I mean, I don't know what they need to do specifically to be more vocal, like launch a website, you know, with a bunch of their infographics, maybe launch a YouTube channel. I really don't know. So, mm -hmm. the, but, Net uh, the Netflix president, I forget his name, he's been pretty outspoken. But again, he maybe is just speaking to the geek community. The best thing was that thing that uh, that that guy did, the comedian on HBO did a few weeks ago that we talked. Yeah, about. all right. That that really reached the general public. It seems to me. That but that none of this will get resolved until the general public gets pissed off about it. Now, um, moving on here, let's go back and look yeah. at the whole undelete undelete personal data. Um, what do you guys think about that? I remember, uh, I want to say I was watching Twit this weekend and saw the discussion on that. I'm going to make sure this is the same story. <laughs> First of all. Yeah, the, yeah, the article we have linked to kind of lists some good practices, you know, in terms of what you need to do to essentially prevent your data from being recovered after you sell the hard drive or the, the smartphone or the tablet or or whatever, you know, and it kind of outlines the problem, you know, just because you factory reset your computer doesn't necessarily mean that all your data is gone. It's still there. It just hasn't been overwritten. And then you have to make, find a way to specifically overwrite that. But I think Ant's probably doing the same thing that I've done. You just hold on to all your old hard drives. <laughs> yeah, this, this came to my mind because just recently, this, this hard drive right here, um, I can't get it to come back to life. And... Uh, my plan is to go ahead and just take it to the office. I could do a D-band, you know, run the Derrick's boot and, and totally wipe it and so yeah. forth. I'd, I'd rather make it fun and uh, 
take it to the office and give it to the Marine I have on my staff. Let him pull out his AR-15. <laughs> <laughs> we take it out back and, and just shoot this thing. That way we know this drive is never, ever going to get used again. You know, you, you might even be able to just take it apart yourself, like just, just, just go to town. Oh so. no! I, yeah, I could do that, but it would be more fun with with firearms. You could magnetize yeah. them. You could do all sorts of stuff. The problem is people don't realize that this is just a side effect of how hard drives work, right? Like we know that mm-hmm. that when when you delete something, it's not deleting it; it's just flagging it as like, okay, this can be empty if you need to. If you really want, you get a program that like doesn't erase that will write bits to. The thing, yeah. right? And just overwrite yeah. it a whole over, bunch of times. Over and over just a and whole bunch of times. But see, people don't think about it about their cell phones. And nobody, I guess, really looked. I don't know. Did mm-hmm. anyone look to see if, like, when I flash this, is all that stuff recoverable? It sounds like it's always been. It just recently someone's like, hmm, I wonder. And so, of course, uh, Avast, the people behind, uh, or was it Avast? Yeah, it was a vast. Yep, so they went on eBay, right? The and they they bought a bunch of phones, and they <laughs> looked to see they got twenty Android smartphones, and they said they've re- mm-hmm. they've recovered basically like forty thousand files from these phones, a bunch of pictures, a bunch of family photos of children, uh, photos of women in various stages of undress, uh, more than two hundred and fifty selfies. Oops of what appear to be the previous owner's manhood, whatever that means, uh, more than 1,000 Google searches, 750 emails and text messages, 250 contact names and email addresses, four previous owner's identities, and one completed loan application. Boom. (laughs) So basically, don't sell your phone. If you send your phone in and you get a different one back, like you need to wipe that, and then you need to look at how much data, how much storage is on that phone, right? And you take however much storage is on that phone and you write that much data to it. And then you wipe it again. And then you do that like 10 times. If you're worried about it. If not, who, really, who gives a crap, right? But if you're worried about it, and this happens, like I've, this is my second Moto X. I, I had like three Galaxy neck size by the time it was all said and done. And, you know, you just send them in. You yeah. wipe it and then you send it in. I didn't care that maybe that stuff could be on there. Maybe I should have. I don't know. I'm not that worried about it, I guess. But, yeah, it's possible. I love uh, love how the comment section says, I generally don't keep really sensitive content on my phone. Also that, right? I like to ask this guy, okay, if you're not keeping anything sensitive, do you take pictures? What are you doing with your phone then, right? Are you just talking on it? You're not using it as a smartphone. The thing is, it may not be important to you, but it may be important to a scammer or someone that wants to do, you know, do identity theft or or anything else. Well, it's not even, it's not even just what they find on your phone, right? That's just a piece of it that completes a larger picture of your credit card data they got from Michaels or from PF Chang or, Mm -hmm. you know, there anything like that this is just another vector that they can get information from so we've talked about on point and shoot about security um because you know you can put geolocations on your on your snapshots and sure you can turn off geolocation on your phone um but you ever wonder how google still knows where you are and put stuff together for those little 
what they call them, moments or stories, memory book stories or whatever. You ever wondered how they can still do that? I assumed it was from having the GPS turned on. Even if you have geolocation on photos turned off, your phone GPS is turned on because you're probably playing Ingress or something else that requires GPS. It's all there. It's it's in it's in what they call the exif data. And you're a stat nerd, so you don't like turning it off because that leaves gaps in your (laughs) analytical statistics. Like we can't have gaps in the data. Gotta have it. Got to. Got to. Mike Sweeney. If I walked, we call him. We call him the uh, MacGyver of our community because he's always Mike's cool. Yeah. Left and right, but he he pointed out in several different different test photos. You know, it looks like this thing was wiped away, but if you go into say Photoshop or Lightroom, you can dig into the guts of that file, and bam, there's all of your information. It's the metadata. It's not just having a loan application on your phone, but if you got pictures on there, it's the it's the metadata. Well, and how many people use apps to take pictures of receipts and stuff? Like, you can totally watch a person's travels just tracking their receipts. I mean, it's a lot of crap like that people don't think about. Uh, They talk about on the article that uh, if you really want to, like, go kind of, I guess, above and beyond, of course, you can encrypt the data on the phone in the settings. You can tell it encrypt encrypt the device. It says after you encrypt it, then factory reset. Wipe, wipe that thing. And then overwrite with however much data you need. And then do another factory reset. And then uh, <laughs> and then never use that phone right. again. I don't know. I like Ant's approach better. Just take it out and shoot it. Yeah, or just completely <laughs> destroy it. It's a whole lot quicker. Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, you can set it on fire. You can. There's all sorts of things you can. You can do drop tests. I mean, is there a tall building where you live? You know, do you own an airplane? <laughs> like, I mean, come on, you could do. I just drop my phones in the middle of the freaking Pacific once a month. I take all my phones and <laughs> up in the plane, out into the Pacific. I love it. Hell yeah, just dropping them shits off. So. Uh, and of course, I mean, they want you to use their undelete or what's what's their? They have they have like an app that'll. that'll... Isn't the bottom line of this article that they've got a product they want to sell you? To permanently delete personal data from a smartphone before selling or giving it away. Number one, install a vast theft for free from the Google Play Store. Number two, give us all your information. Number three, turn on the thorough wipe, which will completely wipe everything. And then while you're at it, you make sure make sure to log in from a PC so we can get all that info as well. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I used to use a vast. Bring us back to reality. <laughs> when I hold on, let me bring us back to like real world, real quick. When I ha- when I lived with people that would use the computer, like I had antivirus on there because I don't trust other people. You you know, like I trust them enough, I guess, yeah. to use it. But now that it's just me on them, like I took all that stuff off. But a vast, yeah. a vast and AVG were two that I would oh, no, go nice. between. So I I don't know. They're only as legit as their definitions are up to date. So. You can actually hear me. That's me. Hold on. <laughs> Matt, did I lose you? No. There's just <laughs> sirens. I have sirens. 
Okay. Okay, now your sirens. You were chopping up there for a Sorry. second. Sorry. Go ahead. I couldn't even hear your sirens. That's good. <laughs> no, but thank you, Mike Rothman, for, for bringing us back to reality. Look, they're trying to rip you guys off. <laughs> <laughs> Install this and give us your info, for sure. <laughs> we got to say it. I love it, dude. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. I wrote an article a long time ago for And, I think it was, about how all these are crap, and you really don't need them on your phone, and they just suck up resources, and they're it's just another, yet another BS app, you know? But good. Right. The vast people have to make a living, too. Yeah, no, know? for sure. They should, <laughs> they should write virus. No, never mind. They shouldn't do that. But it is good. Yeah, don't do that, it's good info, right? Like if you are that worried about it, that's how to deal with it. You know, look yeah. at how much storage is there. It's common sense. That's maybe not so common. Just, so. just continue to be your family's local tech support. Do everything yeah. except the part where it says install a fast <laughs> <laughs> and shoot your old phones, or just save them. They're cool to look at. I have a whole stack. The, the stack is like literally getting that tall of just phones stacked up on old phones. Yeah, we so. could do a whole show one night on how unrewarding it is to be your family <laughs> tech support. Yeah. Uh, how many how many members of your family hold a grudge against you because you didn't fix their software that one time? You know I, that Mike. That's a good point because my family don't call me anymore. Right? I've, I've, yeah. I've called every one of them idiots. They know better. My mom oh. used to. <laughs> no. The last one, I was like, you know what? You 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 did this. You knew you was gonna click on that, and you knew it was wrong. No, I'm not gonna fix it. You're an idiot. Yeah. My yeah, I used to have some. Yeah, I, I used to have some friends that would get the same malware over and over again. <laughs> same sites over and over again. So for a while, I would I would spend basically a night cleaning their computer while doing other stuff. And I would do that on the side. That's like three or four times for the same person over the course of like two years. It's just, it's just annoying wasting your time and effort to do that. Even if they're offering to pay you because they're just doing the same thing over and over again. They're not willing to stop what they're doing. So I, I stopped being the support for some of my friends for that very same reason. So. In that in that instance, I would figure out exactly what it is they were trying to find, and then I would give them alternative choices that were maybe a little cleaner. <laughs> uh, that's not you a right. I don't want to say cleaner, enabling. not necessarily cleaner, but not infected with stuff. I don't know. My don't mom always that. used to like text me questions, and so I I would always tell her like take what you just texted me and text it to Google, like type that into Google and then, there you go. and then read like it's the same, <laughs> right? Cause that's what I'm going to do. I, I don't just know this crap. I like know how to look it up. Come on. <laughs> I'm not that smart really for Christ's sake. Well, and one thing I've done for myself with, with regard to my family is like my, my wife, she's gotten more computer savvy over, over the years. And so I basically taught her to essentially do everything I would do. To where now it's hands off. She can there you go. do it. There you go. For the you kids, can. I basically you can. Just, yeah. For the kids, I over time just pass through their computers and, and do the usual scans. But at least for her, she's trained to where she knows exactly what she wants to do and she just does it, you know. So that's the best thing you can do the whole teach them to fish methodology. Yeah, I was just so. going to say, you can totally teach them to fish or just give them a fish or you can just buy them a Chromebook and be done with it. Yeah. 
There we go. Uh, let's see. Bef- bef- before we get out of here, uh, did you guys see this? Uh, Google, Canon, Dropbox, and a few other companies getting together with all of their patents to ward off patent trolls. Apparently, the way patents work is you have to get a whole bunch of them together, and you have to hold hands, form a circle around them, and then you have to chant the secret chant. words. You have There's to say a dance and, involved, yeah. Yeah. and that's that will ward off the patent trolls. <laughs> is, it, is it awesome that we have to like waste time doing this instead of you know making Google Glass not suck or you know something constructive that we could be doing rather than than this? Do our lawyers, I guess, need something to do? Well, where's where's Samsung and Apple in this whole alliance? Are they are they left outside? Is that what this is that what Rico is saying? They're left outside and they're and, like, we're not getting sued. <laughs> we're not we're not getting <laughs> in on this. I mean, it seems like every other weekend there's a, a new dispute between Samsung and Apple or Apple and Samsung. So yeah, that's interesting. There is no it doesn't say anything uh, about them. Not to mention BlackBerry as well. Because they own so many patents themselves, seems like they got a lot, you know. Oh, you know why? Because though I, I think what they're doing it says they're they're not licensing all of each other's patents. Instead, they're agreeing to join the license on transfer network. They promise to grant licenses to one another whenever one of those patents is sold. So maybe that's why Apple and Samsung don't. They're like, yeah, we're not gonna do that, okay. or Microsoft for that matter, right? Does that not sound fishy? Does, yeah. Does that I, sound legit to you guys? I guess. No more legit than, you know, having a seance to ward off the trolls. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. Yeah. Something, something don't feel right about that. Uh, they say the, the, the appeal of the lot, uh, said Dropbox IP counsel Brett Alton, is that, quote, it's an inclusive model that doesn't strongly favor large or small companies. Large companies are most likely to sell or transfer assets out of the network. Small companies will be basically inoculated from that kind of threat, and large companies benefit because when small companies fail, then they often sell to patent trolls. So instead, mm-hmm. the coalition will just be like, we'll take those, thanks. Have a nice day. <laughs> Um, so yeah. So it's a way of protecting, everybody's protecting themselves with this alliance, essentially. Yeah, I guess kind of altruistic, but not really. Yeah, I don't know. know, Patents are confusing. What'd you think, Mike? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, we are, we're, we're circling the drain here on this patent <laughs> litigation stuff. Is what I think. Yeah, <laughs> we're getting we're getting all about litigation and and yeah. forgetting about innovation, and it's the damn legal system that's doing it to us. So yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready to see it all stop. I just don't know how to make that happen. Yeah, so it's instantly. Like, right right. Instantly, Samsung and uh, Google have their own little patent sharing agreement for the next ten years. For example, so that's one thing that they're doing. So Samsung may not be in this particular patent sharing or patent protecting or whatever organization, but uh, they they promise to have their own agreements with other companies like Google regarding patents. Yeah. Do you guys think there's any place for software patents at all? 
are there are there some things that are so innovative they're you know worth patenting? I I don't right know. now I say no. Huh? Right now I say no. Had this been five, you know, maybe or maybe a little more than five. Had this been maybe eight years ago, yeah, I'd say so. Larry, I, I would I wouldn't go to no. There's nothing, but when I hear that that you can patent swiping in a certain direction on your screen, <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. Or a rectangle with you know rounded yeah. edges, so yeah. around the corners. That's a problem. Or, or, or you can, or you can patent the word, you know, the. <laughs> App store. App store. App store. App store. App store. App store. Yeah. App store. Yeah. Yeah. Trademark. We got a problem here. Yeah. Yeah, we do. But you know, honestly, I think in the big scheme of things, this is probably like one of those first world problems. Like, I I don't know. I don't want to sound like that, but like in the big scheme of things, it's kind of the least of our not the least, but it's it's kind of down there as far as. Like, of course, it is. You know, wasn't there a judge that said you know a lot of this this these patent disputes we're we're just going to say screw them because. You need that as core functionality for said device to work. You know, like the whole clicking on a um, a, a number inside of a message pulls up the dialer kind of thing. It, it's it's the way it, it if if you can't do it that way, then you waste more time. Obviously, there's going to be other ways to do it, but why would you waste time on doing it? It's the same thing with like muscle memory and the way. We're programmed to do things a certain way for so long, and then a redesign happens, right? And things get moved. Or we have to use something different, right? Like going from Word to Drive or something like that. Like we get stuck in a certain way of doing things, and then it's different. We're like, holy crap, this I don't, I don't like that. So it's good design to kind of keep everything kind of the same so you know where crap is and how things work. Obviously, I have to swipe because I want to go to the thing on this side. Like, how else would you do it? I could pinch it and pick it up and then move it and then set it down and then spread it out. You know, you could do all sorts of dumb things. But why? Like, just do it the easiest way. Should you be able to copyright that or patent it and be like, this is our way. You can piss off. Probably not. Are we all trying to get to the same thing or no? Like, are you going to just take your ball and go home? Then, I don't know. Stop being a baby, I guess. I, I don't know. All right. Uh, anything else before? What? I'm glad. I can't remember the judge, but I'm glad whoever that judge was stepped up and said, you know what? Shut up. I can't <laughs> open this phone unless I do a swipe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could yell at it. You could be like, phone, unlock. And then it, yeah, but why? <laughs> Just swipe. It's easier. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it every week, Wednesday evenings. Yeah, another texture.com, of course. Anybody writing anything they want to plug? Aunt Pruitt, I know you got a podcast on Thursdays, Point and Shoot. Yep, that's tomorrow. But I've also written a few things and published a few videos here this week. I discussed the um, Android TV and getting more of that good old Android love in my living room as well as pointing out some uh, some YouTube channel. Be sure to go subscribe and like. Nice. Smartphone-photographers.com <laughs> also. 
trademark sign off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, check us out on Stitcher. We got a Twitter account. I have fun doing those videos. A Facebook page. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. They're good videos. Just frogs. We're froze. Whatever. We're done. Have a great night, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Tech Show. Check us out online at yetanothertechshow.com.